What do you think about smart watering devices? The reason I like soca hoses is because they they are gentle. They save water. You know, so-and-so told me to only water it every week. You can't really go by that because it all depends on where you're living, what conditions it's getting, if it's house. Buy a moisture meter. How do they work? Because I bought one and I'm not sure it's working. When is the best time to water? About 4.30 in the morning. And then the second question I get asked the most is, when is the second best time to water? Welcome back to the Helpful Gardeners podcast. This week, Colin, I got to tell you, I'm thirsty. <laughs> it's thirsty. No, I was going to say it's thirsty Thursday, but it isn't. Thirsty Thursday. I can be, depending on when you're yeah, listening. Oh, there you go. That's true. It's water Wednesday. It's splashing Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> I'll get, it's Soaker Hose Sunday. Soaker Hose Sunday. What a nice vibe. Let's roll with that as there we go we into go. this episode on water. Water is so important, right? I mean, it's it's probably like second to sunlight for a plant, right? I don't I I don't think you could actually do that. I think I think they both share number one. Yeah. I, arguably, arguably, I, I I suppose you would have to say water sunlight and uh, CO2 because without any of those, you can't photosynthesize. Oh, that's right. They're all equally important. Now, depending on the plant, it can be because you take a, uh, like a bog plant, a marsh plant, um, mm. uh, some of the jungle plants, they don't need a lot of sunlight, but they need the moisture. Yeah. You take a desert plant, it needs the sunlight and the heat, but it doesn't need the moisture. So it's, it swings in roundabouts, but Essentially, all of them need uh, water and uh, all of them um, need sunlight in some degree. And, and the gas is prevalent. But do you know what else uh, needs uh, water? Uh, I don't know. <gasps> oh, Kit Colin, thank you. <laughs> Happy birthday, Brandy. <laughs> You got me emergency snack. <laughs> you know, so for anybody, um, I don't know if we've even talked about emergency snacks on the podcast before. So I am very food motivated. Like if I was a dog, snacks would work on me for sure. Um, and so every every time we come in to do the podcast, um, I always am like, oh, I'm so hungry. I'm so hungry because I'm just on the go, on the go. And so now we have a little corner in our podcasting studio um, just dedicated to emergency snacks. <laughs> and we always try and fill them up with something different. Sometimes it's cookies. Sometimes it's like healthy granola bars. Yeah. yeah, yeah sometimes exactly. it's homemade stuff. I love your baking. Whenever you bring in baking, it's always like... I don't like baking in the summer because everything gets too hot. You know, have you ever tried like air fryer treats? Can you bake in an air fryer? Well, in mine, I have like that ninja one. Now I have to stare at these emergency snacks. Wait, there's a card. That's really nice. Thank you so much. Oh, wait, where were we? Uh, I said what else needs watering was cut flowers. Oh, yeah. Oh, 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 yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of things on this planet that Everything. needs water. Everything. Because they say that uh, life wouldn't exist uh -huh. on the uh, planet without plants. Yeah. Oh, life wouldn't exist as we know it. I mean, um, in the words of the famous scientist, Dr. Jeff Goldblum, life uh, finds a way. <laughs> <laughs> I could maybe do a Jeff Goldblum live. I can't do a Jeff Goldblum impression. <laughs> he is so cool, though. I, I love him. There's like a documentary with Jeff Goldblum on uh, Disney, I think. Or it's, it's like it's like a show and he goes in and he like learns stuff. Yeah. Well, he, he he's just he's inherently cool. But, you know, we say we say, oh, life life wouldn't have happened without plants, but plants wouldn't have happened without water. 
you know, so and 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 plants also help uh, create water with uh, evapotranspiration. That part of it. So there's a, there's a lot going on. Well, yeah, and even looking at what was it that I was looking up? Um, that ninety seven percent of all water on Earth is salt water. So we're not suitable for drinking. I don't even think plants can take up salt water. It's just too many minerals. Yeah. Um, so 3% of the water is on earth is fresh water. And only 0.5% of that is available for drinking. Obviously, there's a portion of that that's for the plants and all of the cycles that go through the, the water cycle and everything. So, I mean, 3% of the earth is fresh water and that is going to fuel humans and plants and all the yep. processes and animals and just everything. And that's it's, amazing. It's ridiculous when you think that arguably our most valuable resource mm-hmm. is also one of the only resources that automatically renews itself. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. I mean, they, they did a whole, wasn't that like a whole James Bond movie about water? About bad guys stealing water or something. Was there? I think that was a James Bond movie on water. Yeah. James Bond, sprinkle another day. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know what it was called. The Tinkler. Yeah. <laughs> that was the bad guy. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think I, 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 I think that was because it really is that essential. You know, the, one, of the, one of the most common questions I get asked yeah. Uh, is when is the best time to water? Yeah. So switching gears to your garden for yep. sure. Like knowing when to water is yep. so important. And what do you always say? Uh, about 4.30 in the morning. <laughs> exactly. And then the second question I get asked the most is when is the second best time to water? <laughs> yeah. Is there something to be said about when you're watering in the middle of the day? I know you say, you know, it's better to water than to not water. But what kind of th- kinds of things happen when you do water in the middle of the day? Is it going to waste? So ideally, your plants uh, should be watered enough and they should have enough water and the ground should have enough moisture to sustain them during the hot part of the day. But that doesn't always happen. We may uh, forget to water. Or or what happened to me uh, just um, this week, uh, we had a big rainstorm, okay? Uh, and it was soaked. So I went outside and I was like, oh, it's, it's soaked. It, it absolutely is wet, but it dried out real quick. Jenny realized and, and she went out and watered. Um, so I, I'm still guilty of making that assumption that, oh, no, it's wet enough. When when they're in that heat shock, when they're wilting and they're fully wilting, you run the risk. Well, you're stunting growth, you're stunting flower uh, and or fruit development. Uh, if it continues uh, for too long or it's too cyclical, they'll start dropping fruit and flowers because they're not going to maintain them. But it's like if if you have somebody who is uh, severely dehydrated, they can't drink water fast because they try and drink it. They're just going to vomit it up. Mm-hmm. You've got to slowly get it into them. The plants are the same. They're in shock. So people go, oh, my God, my plants are overheating. And they blast water on them, flood them, and they go, whew, did it. And then they wonder why their plants are still wilted because the plants weren't able to drink it up. Mm-hmm. So it's always better to do it. But if your plants are in wilt, don't wait. Get, anything is better than nothing. Get water to them because they need it. The time of season will also dictate how much you water and yeah. when. Um, I know in Calgary, we've talked about this numerous times. We get Chinooks in the wintertime. And um, on a previous episode, we were talking about how even in the wintertime, you may still need to provide your plants with water. And so when we're talking about time of season, is it sort of like, you know, the springtime you water, um, is water as important as it is in the fall? Like, Let's sort of explore that a little bit. So many people. We get as blasé 
about our garden in the autumn as we are excited in the spring. Yeah, totally. Because everything's dying back and we're like, uh, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> whatever, it's dormant. But it's not dormant yet. Good rule of thumb, that is, if your plant still has green in it, it is still photosynthesizing. If it is photosynthesizing, it needs water. So a lot of times uh, the plants start to go yellow. They start to, uh, they start to brown up, uh, but not all of the plant. And we go, oh, yeah, well, it's done. And we don't water it. So what we're doing is we're actually inhibiting its health um, before it goes to sleep. So, you know, have you ever gone to bed and you're really thirsty, but you're already comfortable in bed and you're like, I'm fine. And then you wake up at two o'clock in the morning and you're like gasping for water. I was just thinking about that. I'm like, that's like me when I go to bed thirsty. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> you haven't given your body what it needs. You you wake up the next morning, you've got that horrible feeling, the dry mouth and a, well, it's the same with your plants. Mm-hmm. So yeah, watering in the autumn. And I think watering in the spring, we all know to do it. Plus, and, and I'll talk about uh, Calgary here because uh, it's different all across um, Canada. Uh, we tend to get enough moisture in the spring. You know, now this spring was different. We didn't. Yeah. We, we, we got enough moisture late spring, early summer. Um, but early spring, it was bone dry, alarmingly dry. Yeah. You know, so if it is dry and your plant is still alive, it needs water. Mm-hmm. And here's, here's a great thing for everybody who's guilty of it. And I, I have absolutely been uh, in the guilty camp here. For anybody who uh, chronically overwaters houseplants, it is damn near impossible to overwater a garden. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Yeah, it is. You can leave a sprinkler on all day and you probably won't be able to get what some of those downpours of rain give us. Yeah. So, yeah, you might get a little bit of flooding. You might get surface water. But the moment you turn it off, Within a few minutes, all that water disappears. The ground is still wet, but the puddles disappear because it's all draining through the natural. Now, I say for the most part, if your plants are up against a foundation or they're uh, surrounded by concrete that you're not aware of, water can become trapped. But your traditional garden, standard garden bed, plant bed, lawn, it's next to impossible to overwater. And thank you for bringing up houseplants because I know we always so you know focus on gardening because it's so top of mind right now and we are the helpful gardeners, but plants can also be brought indoors. And and does this does the season also kind of dictate how much you should be watering and when you should be watering your houseplants? Absolutely. So like that, that 4.30 a.m. rule doesn't really apply to houseplants, does it? <laughs> you almost made me do it. <laughs> Brandon's like, I don't, I don't have to be getting up at... Uh, <laughs> no, not at all. Can you imagine? Yeah. So, so the reason uh, it's better to do it earlier, you can water whenever you want. Uh, and a lot of people have it in their mind that it's better to water later in the day. Uh, that used to be the, the standard. Everybody would say, oh, no, you water, water in the evening, water in the evening. Um, but what happens is you water in the evening, uh, the plant drinks some of it up, but then uh, inherently uh, the sun goes down, it gets cooler. So that water isn't evaporating. Now um, there's also uh, no light on the plant, so it's not photosynthesizing. So it's not drinking the water up. It's not actually utilizing the water. Uh, and you can get standing water, which uh, slugs and snails absolutely love. Uh, fungus uh, and bacterial disease love warm, still bodies of water with organic material in it. So now you're in, you're basically creating a breeding ground uh, for pathogens. Not a guarantee that you're going to get pests or pathogens because of that. Um, like I guarantee there's going to be somebody who who's like, 
I water all the time in the evening. I get nothing. But you are increasing your risk. So when you water early in the morning, water as much as you want, flood everything, give everything a good drink. Then as the sun comes up, it helps dry up any excess water gently. So it's not uh, burning, which they have proved now that 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 doesn't happen. Uh, But a lot of people did think it did. Um, But the plants get to drink slowly. Any excess moisture that that doesn't get absorbed or the other plants are drinking up, the sun evaporates and you keep your garden drier and cleaner without having that breeding ground for pathogens. Plus, your plants aren't in heat stroke, so they're able to drink all of the water that they need and get themselves going. And then when we're talking about those those house plants, so in you know spring versus summer versus winter, does your water schedule change with the seasons? Yeah, mine, mine absolutely does. Yeah? It's not a rule of thumb. Like I, I can't say uh, in the summer I water twice a week and in the winter I water once a week. It depends on certain plants. So there are, I have certain plants uh, in my house that I water less in the summer than in the winter. Because in the winter, they're right next to a, um, a vent for the warm air. Uh, and in the summer, they have a grow light on them, but they don't really have any heat because there's no uh, sunlight on them. Uh, so they're very happy because their soil isn't drying out as quick. Other ones that are in that full sun that are like cranking out the, uh, the, 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 the photosynthesis, yeah, I'm watering them more often, but they're not next to a heat vent. Yeah. You, you really have to keep an eye on it. You can't just say, oh, well, it's winter. They need less water. Yeah. yeah. You know, because even though the plant might not actively be growing, there are other mitigating circumstances that is causing the soil to dry out. Hmm. So keep an eye on that. And, and especially with radical seasonal changes like we get in Calgary and that days where it's minus 40 and days where it's plus 40. Yeah. You know, in... in in a six-month window, we can have an 80-degree temperature swing. Mm-hmm. Pretty wild. <laughs> well, exactly. And I know, so if we are talking about Calgary, for example, if you do live in a region that gets Chinooks, and you were, if we're going back outside, for instance, in the wintertime, um, if it's Chinooks, is that just my cue to go outside and water? Or should you just sort of observe? Keep an eye on the plant because, again, there's some plants will need it. If they start waking up, uh, and I've seen it happen before, we was it two or three years ago where we had that extended Chinook? It, it was like in January and it felt like spring. Yes, it did. It was like a two-week, three-week window. Um, and there were certain plants waking up. You might need to give them water. Mm-hmm. But with it being a Chinook, keep an eye on it because normally... Uh, you know, that that standing joke, oh, you don't like the weather in Calgary, it'll change in two minutes or whatever uh, it is, which it, it absolutely does. But we're pretty good at predicting Chinooks. And the problem is at the end of a Chinook, that temperature can bottom out. Yeah. And if you've poured water all over your plant, it's just going to freeze like a brick. So it's going to need very little minimal water when it starts waking up. Uh, the most important time is in the spring. Very, very early spring because so many people, they go, well, there was a ton of snow. All the snow melted. It went into the ground. A lot of it evaporated. It didn't go into the ground. We we think it did because the ground is wet when we walk on it, but it's not that wet for the roots. That's when you really need to look at watering. If in doubt, it really doesn't hurt to give them water. Does that go for your lawn as well? Lawns are unbelievably tough. Yeah. Because lawns also have a shallower root, so they do get it absorbed by the snow. But I've I've actually seen somebody I've so 
I've never done it to my lawn, and I don't believe uh, the friends I've got who do take care of their lawn water their lawn during a Chinook, yeah. but I absolutely have seen a sprinkler on in January on somebody's lawn. Wow. Yeah, I've absolutely seen it. It's only once, and I was like, holy hell, like, <laughs> they're really going for <laughs> absolutely. it. Absolutely. But again, if their lawn is waking up, if they're in full sun, and some of those days are, are 13, 14 degrees, I mean- if you had two weeks of 13, 14 degrees in the spring, you'd be watering. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. If you didn't, people would be like, why aren't you watering? Yeah. So getting a sprinkler out, it's it's really not going to hurt. And and if I remember rightly, that that was one of those lawns that you walk by in the, in the spring and the summer and you feel like going for a round of golf on it. Yeah. So they they that's like their pride and joy. Yeah. Yeah. But that's that's Calgary. I mean, the. There's nowhere else that I've ever lived or seen where you have to worry about that. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's that's just Calgary and Yeah, but each region's got its own challenges, yep. right? So yep. I mean that's just that's just ours. The B B C the amount of moisture mm-hmm. they get. Because there's the other factor. It's real easy when when we talk about water, um to focus on watering our plants and photosynthesis. Okay. That's immediately where we go. Oh, you got to water your plants, house plants, whatever. Mm-hmm. But what we uh, don't always consider is humidity. That's right. You know, and you take somewhere like BC with the amount of humidity and, um, well, you remember Maiko. Maiko mm-hmm. Michael, is a great guy. And, and he, when he came from Italy, he lived in Vancouver. He left Vancouver for Calgary because he would rather it be minus 40 and sunny then six degrees and rain. Yeah. And he said he couldn't handle it. He could not handle, he's, he's from like Northern Italy. He's used to sunshine and the winters are, the winters are the same temperature as uh, Vancouver, but sunny. Mm-hmm. And he couldn't, he could not handle the four months of rain and damp and wet. Uh, he was like, it, it literally depressed him. Yeah. He would rather see sunshine and have minus 40. He's like, I can stay inside and look at the sun. <laughs> I mean, yeah, true. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's another thing you were talking about how um, there's really like no way that you could overwater a garden. And I mean, Vancouver is an example of that, right? I mean, it gets watered all the time. And yet they have one of the best, especially down in the southern southern portion of BC, they have the best zones to grow in. Yeah, it's it's that it's that humidity close to the ocean always helps um, keep the temperature steady. So they've got a they've got a great um, they've got a great climactic zone uh, for any plants. But humidity, I know people who run humidifiers next to their plants to try and keep them healthy. Yeah, exactly. You know, people say, "Oh, you should spray the leaves." I'm not somebody who sprays the leaves because, quite frankly, I'm not moving my plant to spray it to put it back into its position. Uh, and when I spray it, I don't want to be spraying all of the wall and the floor. I do. You do? You- I am like the laziest gardener that there is. Like, I will spray it, but I'll be like, yeah, sure, <laughs> oh I'll just spray God. it. I should look at the wall now. Now I'm scared of what <laughs> done to my house. You'll just, you'll have hot water spots on it. That's it. It'll easy clean off. Oh, it's perfect. water. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, uh, I don't, I don't really, I don't really miss if If the, I love my house plants. Uh, I love my garden, but I... I listen to nature and if nature's like, look, man, this plant is not like how many people have I spoken to? And I've tried, I'm going to say I've tried to grow a fern in Calgary, an indoor fern, a Boston fern. They grow like weeds in Vancouver and in Montreal. Most people I know who've tried to do ferns in Calgary, the people that have made them work, uh, when I've spoke to them about it, I'm like, oh my God, 
that amount of effort. Most people are like, oh, well, uh, I keep it next to a humidifier and I missed it uh, every day. And I, and I'm like, no, I'm sorry. Yeah. So we're not only talking about just water in the soil, we're talking about water in the air too. It's super important. It, it, you know, certain plants need that, that humid condition um, to survive and thrive. Uh, You know, you, you put a desert, a a desert plant, a, a cactus in humid conditions, it's going to rot. It literally is just going to decay. And then you take, uh, you know, something like an orchid and put it in a desert arid-like condition. It's just going to wither up and die in days. Yeah. You know, so you, you need to, you need to consider what you're growing. Yeah. You know, I really like that for both your indoor and your outdoor plants, almost like a theme. Like I was just literally Googling you know, grouping houseplants to their humidity level. I've never thought to do that before. But I mean, if you have, say, a plant shelf in your house and you have plants on there that are like prefer 70% humidity or whatever the case is, then you buy a humidifier and then you just have it going and then they're all receiving the same amount of water. Don't you do that with your plants for the light? Yes, that's true. You do already. Yeah. So you're already grouping them accordingly. That's why I'm going to go back to it. Uh, We talked about this, I think, in the first episode. But it's one of the reasons why um, certain uh, social media uh, pictures I see uh, drive me nuts because they'll show like one of those massively ornate uh, shelves. And this isn't all of them. It's certainly not all of them. Jenny pointed one out to me and uh, we're just sitting on the couch chilling out. And Jenny was like, oh, look at this. And and she showed me this and same thing, this over the top. Uh, thing plants and uh, and she was like could we do that mm-hmm. and i was like we could do something similar yeah and jenny was like uh no i want to like i want that one yeah. and i said but it's not going to work because not all of those plants need the same light mm-hmm. not all of those plants need the same conditions but they're all in the same area uh, so then they're giving this like false Exa- they go they buy a bunch of plants from a greenhouse like us so they look amazing they stage the picture and then they put these plants on a bookcase and they put books under them and they put electronics around them. And I'm like, I'm very careful. But when I water, I spill water. That wouldn't work for me just spraying them on the shelf. Yeah. <laughs> Brandy spraying the electronics and the books. <laughs> Everything has got that water damage wrinkle page. And, and sometimes you don't notice. Um, it's happened to me before. Like I said, I used to be in camp over water. Okay, absolutely. I that was where my flag was planted because I'm used to outdoor gardens where I'm like, oh, it's going to be hot. I'm not going to be home for seven hours. Flood it, and then I'm like, ha, ah, see you later, garden. And I do the same with my house plants. Be like, oh, I don't know if I'm going to be. Uh, might not have time to water it midweek. Flood it, <laughs> and my plants were dying at an alarming rate. Yeah. But sometimes you don't notice, and you water the plant. Everything's great. You haven't spilled anything but it drains through, fills up the saucer. And have you ever done that? Have you ever have you ever heard that noise where you finished watering your houseplants, you sit down, and then two minutes later, you hear running water from somewhere? Yeah. <laughs> Actually, I was just over at my friend Madison's house, and she's she's so cute with her houseplants because she's just gotten her first uh, townhouse. They just bought a townhouse. And she has this beautiful monstera that's hanging in this macrame hanger. It's a gorgeous plant. Um, so... I think like it must be, it must need some repotting or something because she goes to water it and she has this like big watering can. She's like, it's time to water. She's so, so excited. So she goes to water it and then uh, it's got a tray underneath it. 
And so I'm, I'm listening to it and it sounds like, you know, when you like lift the plug out of the bathtub and it's just like, like you can just hear the water go through it at an alarming rate. And then all of a sudden the trays starts like filling up and she's like, Oh no, I've only done half the, the watering can. I'm like, why are you watering it so why much? Are you still <laughs> so then she's like, she's like, okay, so I'll just put the watering can down and it's like full of water. I was like, okay, just leave it. Just we'll just, and then starts like dripping down onto the floor. And then she's like, do you think I should use the rest of the watering can? <laughs> like, no. <laughs> I, I, I think the plant is telling you it's had. I think it's an, good. I think it's yeah. good. But I, I love her, right? Because it's all about a learning, yeah. a learning, right? Um. So anyway, I've done that. I've, I've, I've absolutely done it. I'm not, you know, I, I'm not going to be like, oh, I'm so perfect. I've. So when I look at things like that, where it's this uh, shelf and there's and there's books on it and knickknacks and and pictures and and photographs and all of these different plants that have different lighting requirements and and whatnot, and I go, come on. Like, it's not really attainable. Like, it, can it be done? Sure. Mm-hmm. Can it be done for the average person? No. And then people try to mimic that. And they end up ruining some books. Or some plants don't do so healthy. And they go, oh, I'm no good at this. And it's it's not that you're not good at it. It's it's that, you know, the the inspiration you got wasn't true. And, and that's where the problem lies. So, but uh, you know, that was a, a major digression, but it's a point that really sticks in my craw, especially with plants. Oh, absolutely. Especially with house plants. What do you think about um, watering over top of the soil and bottom watering? One is way better, which is bottom watering, but yeah. way more difficult to pull off. Yeah. It's a lot of moving, especially if you have heavy plants. So it's, it's probably the best way to water something like a seedling. Have you ever had your new seedlings and you're so excited and they're all popping up and then you water them and they water knocks them all flat? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you feel terrible. Oh, I feel horrible. Yeah. So people go, oh, well, you should bottom water them. But the problem is their roots are so tiny. And if they're in a, a four inch deep uh, cell uh, full of soil, the water might not reach the roots. Yeah. So knowing where you're going up to with that. So I've had a few plants um, that I've been able to do that. I got uh, deep sauces. I'd pour the water in the saucer and the plant would drink it all up. Yeah. If you overwater like that, the bottom of the soil stays saturated, but it doesn't start getting up to the top because it's not pulling any more soil in. So plants can start suffering. It is way better because you're not compacting the the soil surface. Uh, It's going just to the roots but it can be tricky. And if, if you're, if you don't know what you're doing and you don't know how to do it and you don't know how to measure the water, go the traditional easy route of top watering. Yeah. Some of our plants that we bottom water, we have a, we have a Raven's easy and that one we usually put um, a salad bowl like with water and then we set it inside. Sometimes we get very adventurous and we fill up the bathtub with like an inch of water at the bottom and then pop our plants in there and then take them out later. And it kind of does all of them at once. Cause that's the thing I've learned about bottom watering is that it can take a while. Yep. Uh, they they actually have them. Uh, I don't think we have any right now, but we, we, we do sometimes carry them, uh, deep waters, uh, deep water trays. So they're normally three, four inches deep. Uh, and it's a saucer and you can do it. And then here's a, uh, little hack, uh, that I used and it works. Now, it only works, obviously, on smaller plants. You can't do it on the big ones because they don't come in that big. Uh, but if you get the um, tinfoil uh, food containers yeah. uh, from Takeaway, they're normally two to three inches thick. Yeah. 
Yeah. Put your plants in that. That is so smart. Clean them out, sterilize them, run them through the dishwasher, and then put your plants in that and fill that with water. And then it's done. Way easier. And then the lids, if you flip them upside down, also double as a shallow saucer. Upcycling with Colin. There you go. Yeah, I've actually I've actually got a whole bunch. And then what I do is I use the smaller uh, tinfoil ones uh, sometimes to propagate spider plants. If I'm doing a ton of spider plants and I'm like, oh, screw it, they can all go in here and I, pop, 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 and I fill them up. So this is your reason to get takeout tonight. Just putting that into the universe. I, yeah, I, I, I strongly recommend it. And when you said that, I found a new place that does uh, apparently the best uh, vegan pizza in Calgary. Really? Yeah. What's it called? Uh, Sal's Pizza right up there on, uh, give them a shout out, even though I haven't eaten there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'll give them a shout out. Hey, why not? But yeah, no, yeah, those, those, those containers work great. But honestly, um, even with the amount of plants I've got uh, and, and the fact that I, I do know how to do it, I still top water. Mm-hmm. It's easier. And I honestly, I've, I've learned it now and I can go around and get all my plants done. But you know, uh, another good hack um, I learned as well that I, uh, I really enjoy, and I don't do it with all my houseplants. It depends on the houseplant. I uh, will use various um, mediums as a mulch on my houseplants. Oh, like what do you mean? So you know those uh, clay pebbles? Yeah. Uh, they're called Leca, uh, L-E-C-A, light something clay aggregate. I can't remember what the E stands for. Doesn't matter. I didn't even know it was an acronym. Yeah. L L E C A. It's called LECA and it's, it's clay aggregate. Uh, they work really great because they're clay. So once they're saturated, they will actually hold moisture and whatnot and they'll leach it out. So I'll often start, uh, I'm pretty sure I got a bag in my office somewhere. I'll often start plants in that because it holds it up. It allows the roots to propagate uh, and then I'll transplant it and then I'll dump some on the top as a mulch. I've used straw as mulch on my house plants. I've used mulch as mulch on my house plants, uh, and it works great. Yeah, and especially again, if you have an area where uh, warm air is blowing down on your plants, okay, the plants might like it because it keeps them nice and warm. But the soil's drying out, so you put mulch, same as you would keep the wind off the soil outside. You know, what's really great about plants too is um, is that they will tell you if you're over or under watering them. Like that's, that's like the telltale. And that, I mean, that's probably like 60% of the questions I usually get on our social media is, you know, my plant is looking like this, what's going on. And quite often the answer is to do with watering. And it's really tough to tell someone that because, you know, they're like, well, you know, so-and-so told me to only water it every week. And unfortunately you can't really go by that because it all depends on where you're living, what conditions it's getting. If it's houseplants, like you said, if it's near a vent, if it's drying out, what season is it? How old is it? Like all of these different factors go into it. There's no real one answer. Well, and if, if you tell somebody, oh, you need to water it once a week, how much? That's true too. Like, oh, I water it once a week. A cup, half a cup, two cups. Yeah. Uh, if you're Madison, a 10 gallon watering can, I mean... <laughs> Madison's bringing in the hose from outside. (laughs) Sorry, Madison. I wish, I wish there was an easy uh, answer. Now there are, uh, there are hacks to help you. They're not expensive either. Uh, If you're really, really not good with watering, either overwatering or underwatering, and the vast majority of problems that I've seen is overwatering. Mm -hmm. And that's usually what yellowing leaves. Yeah, it's uh, the. 
The problem is uh, an overwatered plant can look very like an underwatered plant. Oh, I always thought an underwatered plant is just dry. Yeah, the problem is an, an underwatered plant, yes. The, so looking at the soil will tell you, but if you're not looking at the soil, because a lot of times people don't think to send a picture of the soil, they send a picture of the plant. Yeah. Yellow leaves can be underwater or overwater. Oh my gosh. A plant uh, wilting or drooping can be overwatered or underwatered. So if you're sending a question to uh, your good, helpful gardener friends at Golden Acres, send a picture of the soil, please. Yeah, let us know. Let us know the, the soil condition because the vast majority of people I've dealt with has been overwatering. Mm-hmm. And I always say I'd rather I'd rather you underwater than overwater. I can save underwatered plants overwatered. It's very hard. But buy a moisture meter. Oh, yeah. They're not that expensive. How do they work? Because I bought one and I'm not sure it's working. <laughs> it keeps saying it's dry even after I've watered it. Did I not insert it right? <laughs> you turned it on, right? There's an on button? Yeah. The, it, so on the front, there should be a gate. Depends on the one you've got, but you... <laughs> Just do me a favor. Have a look for that. <laughs> oh, no. I wonder how many other people... Please tell me I'm not alone. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't... I don't... I honestly thought that it was just like metal or whatever was like, the you know, like when you hook up um, wires to a potato, that's yeah, kind of, but no, it, it runs, it, <laughs> it does run on an electrical current, but you need to turn it on. Okay. Yeah. Cause people, people use the, like, I, I, I don't know exactly that experiment. I know what it is, I, I, but yeah, they run wires and they generate electricity from a potato or something like that. This is basically, um, two sensors with uh, uh, basically a copper wire running through and it measures the moisture between the two of them, but you, you have to turn the power on. You have to. Turn. You have to okay, everyone, <laughs> please. If your moisture meter is not working. Maybe that's why overwatering is such a problem. Maybe. Maybe there's a lot of people who struggle with yeah, moisture meters. Because the funny thing is that I, I had a plant uh, not too long ago, uh, like fairly recently, and it wasn't doing so good. It, it's a big plant. It wasn't doing so good. And I was like, oh, it's weird. And I was like, it, it seems dry. I, I checked the first few layers and it was it was dry. Now, I don't want to drive my hand in because I don't want to hurt the roots, but moisture meters are nice and thin and and very sharp. Like the, it's, it's a, a pointed tip. So I went and got the moisture meter and I sank it and it's about seven inches long. So way longer than my finger. And when the electrodes got down, it said very moist. And I was like, oh, okay, I need to let it dry out a bit more. Yeah. And I think with some house plants, they say like the top two inches of the soil should dry out before watering. So you'd only have to put in the moisture meter that far or all the way still. I liked what you said better. Okay. Let the plant tell you. Okay. Don't overwater. Okay. Don't overwater. Underwater. Give your plant uh, a small amount of water and then let the soil dry out completely. Keep an eye on it and let the plant wilt. Let the plant go into that, um, just like us, everybody I know has had a time in their life for whatever reason, we forget to take water before we go to bed or we're out on a hike or we're not taking care of ourselves and we get really thirsty. Didn't kill us. Wasn't, wasn't a pleasant feeling. I'm not talking about severe dehydration, talking about where you're like, you come in, you get a glass of water and you down it in one shot. Okay. You're, you're very thirsty. Let your plant feel that. Okay, let your plant get really thirsty and look at it and look at what the leaves do. Spider plants, really great tell. They go very pale and the leaves go thin. So the leaves curl up on themselves. So 
when a plant wilts, what it, one of the things it's trying to do, it's trying to limit its surface area because if there's less surface area, less light can hit it. Therefore, it needs less photosynthesis because it doesn't have the water to photosynthesize. Yeah. So it's trying to put less exposure to the sun uh, or to the light. So let your plant get thirsty, mm -hmm. okay? And your plant, and then you go, I recognize that. Yeah. That's, I know when my plant looks like that, it's thirsty. So then you give it a drink, give it a little bit of water. It'll probably perk right back up. Then you start to see it just early in that stage, give it a little bit more water. Then you can start to learn your timing. If you go the other way and you're constantly flooding it, next thing you know, you think your plant's doing good, but the soil at the bottom is saturated and you've got root rot happening and you don't know, then by the time you see the signs, it's too late. Yeah. I always say go the other way. Now that's that's your, your house plants, uh, your outdoor plants. Yes, for trees and shrubs and perennials. I absolutely let them suffer a little bit because it, it helps develop a good root system. Yeah. My veggies, my annual flowers, absolutely not. I don't want them to ever know a, a day struggle in their life because I don't want them to drop flowers off roots. Okay, they have a very short lifespan uh, and I'm growing them for a purpose. My perennials, my trees, I want them to be like all of my daylilies and uh, my poppies and my foxglove and all of the perennials I have in the front of the house. Couldn't tell you the last time I watered them. Yeah. Like, couldn't tell you the last time I went out and watered them, and they thrive because I've let the roots get there. When they're first planted, they need some help. After that, you're on your own. Yeah. And I, and when we're talking about the tools for watering, um, you know, we had the, the moisture meter. I kind of want to go through a little bit of... Um, you know, the, 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 the kinds of things that you can use to water. One of my favorite tools that you kind of put me onto this year was this, the, um, the, the drip hose. What is that called again? The soaker hose. So why is the circle ho soaker hose a good tool to have in your garden? So I love, uh, soaker hoses because, um, it's exactly that it is a soft, gentle saturation. So, a lot of times, and, and I already said I'm, I'm guilty of this when I'm in a rush, I grab my gun, I put it on center uh, or shower, and I stand above the plant and I'm like, flood. <laughs> like, Same. Yeah. Everything is saturated. There's standing water. And I'm like, see you later. Bye. Yeah. And I'm gone. That's not great for the plant. Just because, you know, you and I uh, get very busy and we treat ourselves like that with food and water. It's not a great thing for the plant. Like, Wake up in the morning and you're like, hmm, they say I should drink eight glasses of water a day. I'll drink six in the morning and then I won't drink another two till tonight. <laughs> um, that's essentially what you're doing. So during the middle of the day, you're parched. You've drank the correct amount of water, but they would rather you drink eight glasses of water over 16 hours. Okay, not eight glasses in 20 minutes. I've totally been guilty of that, yeah. though. Yeah. yeah, where you're like, oh, this is healthy. Yeah. I'm being healthy. <laughs> so, so yeah, uh, the reason I like soca hoses is because they, they are gentle. They save water. So um, a lot of times, again, we think we've watered a plant, uh, an outdoor plant properly with our gunner, with a sprinkler. But how much of that water... Uh, hit the fence or didn't hit the roots or hit the foliage and didn't get down to the roots. And we go, well, it's got to be wet enough and we leave, you know, especially when you've got big, thick plants like tomatoes and you spray them, check the soil under it. A lot of times it's not as wet as you think, even though you've saturated it, but all you've done is soak the leaves. Yeah. So it hasn't done anything. 
Um, and sprinklers, well, they're just the least efficient way to water ever. So a soaker hose runs along the ground. It gets water directly to the roots without spraying it where you don't want it. It does it nice and slow. And then if you really, really don't like the look of it, you can cover it with mulch and keep even more moisture down there. Yeah. So what other kinds of tools can you use? Because yeah, you mentioned the sprinkler, the soaker hoses, nozzles, obviously. Is there anything else I can, I mean, obviously watering cans. It kind of works backwards. The, the best way to water is the least efficient way for our time. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So other than soaker hoses, soaker hoses are the one way you will do a lot of investment up front. You'll attach your hose, you'll run it down the side of the house so nobody will trip on it. You'll get it out into the bed, then you'll run it between the plants where you want. You'll cover it in mulch, you'll check your timing, and then boom, then it's set it and forget it. You can even put a water timer on. Yeah. So you don't ever have to think of it again. But then the rest of them, so a watering can. You fill it up, you go over to the plant, you drain it, you go back, you fill it up. But with a watering can, you're pouring it exactly where it needs to be. Then you go all the way through all of the nozzles and everything else we've got to the sprinkler that just is just spraying anything. It's How many times do you walk by and somebody's watering half the street and the front window? Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Like unnecessary. You're wasting water. Yep. Yeah. You're running up your bill. Yeah. It's expensive. So, but you turn it on and you walk away. Okay. Where a watering can, uh, you're watering all of your garden with a watering can. It's an investment of time. And it helps with weed control too. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Because you're not watering bare areas of soil. So it's it's all pros and cons. Honestly, the, the best thing you can do is just constantly check your garden. Learn what your garden is telling you. Yeah. Um, Maybe get a rain barrel. Yeah. Get, rain barrels. Absolutely. I'm such a fan. I grew up with rain barrels. Like really? rain barrels were always in my, in our yard and it wasn't, you know, the whole cost saving thing. It was just literally, it was convenience. It was just right there. We were gathering. Yeah. It even looked nice yeah. in our yard. We had this old barrel and it was just gorgeous. Yeah. That's, that's the funny thing is it's one of those things that people used to do because that's how they, okay, you want to hear something? I got to go off on here because I, I love rain barrels and I love that you said that. It like literally makes me happy. I don't believe in Canada. Uh, but in America, there are certain places uh, it's illegal to gather rainwater for your garden. Yeah, I heard that. And it's it's quite sad. I, I'm literally blown away yeah, by that. Yeah. So in in Germany, I believe there's some other countries, but Germany, I know. So say you, you have a property uh, and I'm just going to come up with easy numbers to remember here because I'm I'm not very good at math. We've established that and we will continually get that point across. Uh, say you have a hundred square foot of, uh, land. Okay. And by land, I mean, uh, garden beds, lawn, uh, whatever. And you go, I, I want to extend my driveway or I want to put up a garage and that garage is going to take 50 square foot. That would be a very small garage. But anyway, again, I don't do math, <laughs> a shed, <laughs> uh, but you want to put up a structure or a paving Germany you uh, get charged more on your property tax for that because you're inhibiting more water from getting into the ground. You're inhibiting water from getting into the ground. You're creating uh, artificial runoff uh, that has to be dealt with and you're not actually benefiting the ecosystem. So you will pay more than somebody has more natural area. Wow. 
And I'm I'm there for that. Yeah. Like I believe other than the cost savings uh, you get from, you know, not uh, running your water bill up. But I think there should be incentives to homeowners where if you get uh, rain barrels or you augment with solar power and you do things like that, you should be, there should be something that you get back that go, hey, you're doing the right thing. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Because I mean, even over here in North America, we have water restrictions. So especially in their smaller towns, you can only water during certain amount, you know, um, times of the day. But with rain barrels, like you wouldn't even have to really worry about that because you've collected all the rainwater and then you can use it at your leisure. And I really like that. I, I remember in Montreal, they broke a record. I can't remember what it was now. It was when I was working there, it was bad. And it was something like 43 days without rain, wow. which is very rare for Montreal. It, it I, I can't remember what the record was. They, they broke the record on like day 38 or something. It, you weren't allowed to use an irrigation system. You weren't allowed to water your plants. And we had some very expensive gardens and it was real because the problem is everybody had an irrigation system. So the plants had never developed. The plants had never had to develop a strong root system. Everything had been given to them. And that was a lot of suffering. And then we had <laughs> one guy. He was actually a German guy. His name was uh, Gunther. He was so funny. Uh, and he lived on uh, the water. And he'd gotten permission because uh, waterways are federally controlled. And he'd gotten the permission to run his irrigation, his water pump from uh, the river, from Lac St. Louis. So they they built the irrigation and then we just ran the pump out into the in, into the water and dropped it so that it was river water feeding his garden. Oh my gosh, what a life hack. Yeah, we, uh, we I, I believe you paid a lot of money for the permit, but we were gardening there, hot as hell. So I went over to the irrigation system, tweaked it so the irrigation was on. So when we're working, we're getting sprayed down with water and it was fantastic. Oh my gosh. The city showed up. the the three one one the the bylaw officers showed yeah. up, and they're like, uh, "What are you doing?" And I was like, I, uh, "Gardening." And they're like, "You're running an irrigation system. There is a water ban in effect." And they were ready to give us a ticket. And I was like, "We're running it from the river. There's no water ban." And he was like, "What?" And I showed him, and he was like, "Oh, enjoy." And I was like. Did somebody complain? He was like, yep. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Couldn't tell us who. I don't well, care. Well, yeah. I mean, you got to think, right? They're, they're like looking at that happening and they're like, well, I can't water my garden. Why are they allowed to? Yep. And I get it. I get I wasn't even mad about that. Yeah. It, it's not like, oh, that's a snooty neighbor. That's somebody who maybe they're like, why are you wasting water? Like, yeah. we're, we're literally in a water ban right yeah. now. But Gunther ran it out of uh, out of the lake. So yeah, he could keep watering his garden. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. Like we should have more of like those kinds of yep. things. Yeah, where, where we do that and gather and rain barrels, they're designed so that they all interconnect. Yeah. You know, there's there's a house just down the street from me. They've built it all themselves. It is fantastic. And they've got a, a four by four uh, structural frame attached to the side of their garage. And all of their rain barrels lie flat. Yeah. So they're not standing up. And last count was five. So it feeds into one and it goes down and it feeds in and then it fills all the way up. And then they use that. And that's obviously what they're using to water the garden. And most of the time, that is what we have discussed in the past, you know, electrically charged water. Because a lot of that might come from thunderstorms. Yep. So it's way it's better. Way better yeah, water. way better for you. How many times have you heard this? People, oh my God, help me. Uh, my plant tips are browning. 
Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. It's just the heavy minerals we have in, in the water here. Yeah. But it, you don't get that in your rainwater. No. So being able to, to, to use that water. Well, I, and I've mentioned this before. I'll mention it again because she was awesome. I know you love, everybody loved her. Catherine. Yeah. She used her rainwater for houseplants. She would actually like bring her rain barrel so it wouldn't freeze. And she would use that rainwater for until it ran out to do her houseplants. Yeah. Yeah. And then we had other people uh, that I've worked with here who only watered their houseplants with either rainwater or distilled water. Interesting. Yeah, they would go and they would buy the jugs of distilled water because they didn't want their tips getting brown. And here I am spraying walls. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, we got Madison who's basically using a hose pipe. You're spraying everything in the house and I'm just like brown tips for life, yo. <laughs> I think what we can take from this is we all water differently, Brandy. Exactly. But we all water. Yeah, and that's important. That's it. Well, this week's question of the week was sent into our email, which you can do so at social at goldenacre.ca. And this one was really interesting as it does pertain to the to our topic this week, Colin. It's all about water and smart devices. So you know how there's always that saying, there's an app for that. So um, their question was, what do you think about smart watering devices? So I kind of went on a deep dive because I'm really, I mean, you know me, I'm lazy. So <laughs> something piques my laziness, let's be honest. Um, and there was this um, water brand called Ratio, and they just claimed that they have saved 150 billion gallons of water. 150 billion. This is in, I think they were mentioning this in North America or something. I think it's an American brand. Basically, it's fully automated and sustainable watering. Um, it bases it off of smart schedules, real-time weather data, so it'll automatically read weather data and then water accordingly. They claim that it'll protect your plants from overwatering and weathering. They also have smart sensors that measure soil moisture and then tell exactly what your plant needs. So they have the watering devices like timers, the sensors that you just put into your lawn, into your soil, and it just measures the moisture content. Back in the day, uh, the, the 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 smart app um, was uh, you had a, a rain sensor if you had a, an in-ground irrigation system and you had a rain sensor and the rain sensor needed to be uh, exposed to the elements. Like there's no point putting it under an eaves trough or in a tree. It had to be out there. Uh, and basically it was like a rain gauge. So uh, the rain would fill and if it was whatever you decided to set it up, but say uh, a quarter inch of rain, the irrigation system wouldn't turn on. And then when it drained down past a certain point, it would turn the irrigation system back on. But that was as complex as it got. And that was pretty like, ooh. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. So, I, I mean, I think that is uh, beyond fantastic. Yeah, you think it'll work? Like, you think it's it would be probably worth an investment or you would have to learn more about it? I'm, okay, so here's my thing. Yes, I do think it would be worth it. I really do. But like anything like that, so so what we were just talking about, the, the city put a ban on watering. Okay, well, we knew that was coming. You have that system set up and you're like, oh, that's amazing. And you have your garden and you're like, what? And you go away for three weeks. What if it fails? Apps crash. So my my thought is that it is amazing. It genuinely is. And saving that amount of water is outstanding. Like that is, that is, uh, it's, it's a bold claim. And if, if they've done it, I mean, even if they did half of that, that is, that is a wonderful thing. But what if it crashes? 
Like, what's the backup? Like, does it default? Because here's the thing, right? And and they're obviously way smarter than me if they've built something like this. So is the default where if it crashes, it automatically waters? I, that's what I would want. If if it crashes, if for whatever reason the app turns off or whatever else, does it revert back to just a uh, comes on at four thirty in the morning and waters for an hour? Because I would, I, if it's raining and it's watering, okay, more water than I need, but hey, better than no water. Mm-hmm. Because I would hate it to crash the other way, where it crashes and it goes, yeah, okay, and just nothing turns on. Well, and here's the other thing. What I thought about the sensor was, what if you put the sensor in a weird spot? So, you know how you were talking about how different areas of your garden receive different amounts of water? So, like, if your area is in shade or if it's in full sun or if you have the sensor out in your lawn and it gets just full sun all the time, so the, the, the soil in that area is dry, but maybe the soil underneath your spruce tree isn't dry. So what gets watered? And also it's kind of like what you were saying with the whole sprinkler idea. It's watering everything. So you don't, you, there's less control, Yeah. right? You potentially more weeds. Yeah. So th- I feel like there would be some negatives. Absolutely. I, I think it's, but, but again, there's negatives with watering with a watering can and negatives with watering with a sprinkler. And it's, it's where, where that X factor suits your life. Cause again, it's not one size fits all because you know, when you were when you were uh, 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 saying about it can read the weather off your phone. However, when I go on vacation, I don't care about the weather in Calgary. I change my location on my phone. Is it like, oh my God, you need water really bad because you're somewhere tropical, <laughs> thirty-four degrees? Like, why the hell is he watering in January? <laughs> well, exactly, and it's just I think it's just wild to me that. You know, we have smartphones and I'm not going to sit here and say that I don't participate in smart devices because I do. I have a I have a thermostat. I have a smartphone. I have a smart watch. I have all of the things that, uh, you know, are conveniences in life. So it's only natural that we sort of move that direction in the, out in the garden. But it's like a part of me just doesn't want to because that's the one area in my life where I feel very zen and I feel like I get to work with my hands and I get to enjoy hard work and all of that. And it's enjoyable. It's out in nature. So a part of me doesn't want to commit to that but the vast majority of times i take my watch off when i garden i don't want it getting dirty i don't want to worry about it i don't want to be concerned and i'm not i'm not going to be cautious in the way i garden to protect a smartwatch. i'm going to take the smartwatch off i think it'll work i think it's a fantastic idea and like any technology i think there are going to be bugs in the system but it's only going to get better and more advanced and if it allows more people to have more control over their watering and save that amount of water, I'm all for it. And again, you don't like it, don't use it. Yeah. It's that simple. I, things change, our lives change, and 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 you've got to find what works best for your life. And I see things like that coming. I, I see them moving very fast and only getting better. Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see where it goes. But yeah, I mean, if, if you want to try it and 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 uh, and let us know how it works, I'm I'm all. It's one thing to have a company tell you how it works. It's another when you find somebody who's used it personally and you get to ask them the questions how it works. Well, Mark, open invitation to let us know how it goes, and maybe you'll convince us. Yeah, you know who we have to drop that to. Thank you, Mark, for this. Yeah, we have to just casually mention it to Alfredo. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Alfredo loves his tech, and he's not much of a gardener. There you go. Like, oh, Alf, did you hear about this? Just subtly send him emails. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and on that note, um, I may not participate in the watering one 
dance yet, but there is one that I would participate in. It's the uh, wall cleaning app. No, uh, oh, it's sorry. the robot lawnmower. Yes. That, oh my. Coming from somebody who's never mowed a lawn, that sounds very exciting for me, so. You've never even mowed a lawn and you're already giving it up to robot labor. (laughs) (laughs) Brownie's like, I've never done it and it looks so uninteresting. I'm gonna get a robot to do it for me. Yeah, I would, uh, I have cut lawns and I would absolutely get uh, anybody to do it for me. Yeah, so Anything sounds, would be better than me doing it. Yeah, sounds like a good option there. Well, Mark, I, I hope that this is somewhat helpful for you. I hope we may have we may have swayed you. We definitely invite you to give us your opinion and your experience if you do go that way. And if you'd like to reach out with your questions or comments, you can do so like Mark did on our email social at goldenacre.ca. You can also reach us on Instagram at goldenacregarden. And we also have an anonymous voice note app on our website site goldenacre.ca just click on the podcast page and then find that link down below next week my friends we are talking about perennials and this one was actually presented to us through one of our webinars it was all about perennial division and transplanting so we're gonna deep dive a little bit more on that this might be a big topic for sure hey oh it really is and it's uh I have one perennial, now I have three perennials. (laughs) (laughs) And it's fantastic. uh, You know how much I love that. You know how much I love dividing. And, and, and for you, guess what? You have one perennial, now you still have one perennial, and you have a gift. Oh, I like that. There you go, right? Yeah. We'll catch that episode next Sunday at 8 a.m. Mountain Time on your favorite podcasting platform, and we'll see you then. Bye, everyone.